0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rewrite Relationships. And this is episode number three. We're talking about how low self esteem in women and, or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how that can cause problems in the relationship, how it manifests. And in a lot of ways, this is really similar to what we talked about last week with men and how it's hard to kind of let go of their former selves and their past identities this low self-esteem and where we gather all of these messages from in this box that we put ourselves in it's that's our past it's part a big part of our identity and we make a lot of assumptions and we kind of project these feelings these negative feelings that we're having about ourselves onto our partners um So, oh yeah, this is Allison.
1: Oh, and Matt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're outside again, so if you hear any fireworks or the train or that cricket I heard, I'm pretty sure it's the exact same cricket that was in our last episode. I heard it on the recording.
1: Yeah, it's July 6th, so there's probably a few more uh, artillery shells going to go off here soon, probably, so... (laughs)
0: It's just so nice outside, so it's it's good for our flow. So with talking about low self-esteem in women, I wanted to talk a little bit about my past and how I came about my low self-esteem and what that meant for me. Um, I'm getting ready. I was actually preparing a talk yesterday for a group of women on low self-esteem that I am actually really excited about. And I'd actually, so I looked up the definition of self-esteem and what I read was that self-esteem is a sense of satisfaction that you have with yourself and i thought it was really important to point out that our self-esteem really needs to be based off of this sense of satisfaction and not this ideal that we need to be happy or feel confident all of the time this was a huge misconception that i've had since i can remember and I kept feeling like I was failing at working on confidence or self-esteem because I could not get myself to be happy all the time. I just, I thought all of the personal work I had been doing wasn't working. I thought maybe there was something wrong with me. Maybe I was too bad of a person to be feeling good about myself. And so that's why I want to mention this that self-esteem is feeling that you're capable it's having compassion for yourself it is not about being happy with yourself all the time because we're human and we make mistakes and sometimes we make huge mistakes sometimes we totally fuck up but it's important to know that we're capable of making decisions afterwards it is not out of our hands we can still make a choice after we make mistakes and that you know we're capable of moving forward we don't have to be stuck so as i'm talking about self esteem today i'd like you to kind of think back on that that i had had the wrong idea about self esteem And that, um, you know, as I did my personal work and kind of learned what it was really all about, how I kind of came into this idea that actually clicked with me and how I was actually able to start building self-esteem and confidence. So I'll kind of start out with telling a little bit of my story And it it really starts in childhood with a lot of body image issues. Um, When I was was very young and, uh, you know, just realized that I was bigger than some of my friends. My body type was different and it absolutely didn't help that I was just weird. I don't know where my social skills were. I just didn't have any... I I see a lot of myself in my daughter sometimes, um, you know, just off in my own little world and looking back on it now, I realize that absolutely was not a bad thing, but I really struggled to connect with other people, and so naturally, I'm kind of looking for these physical ways to fit in, and, you know, I realized that I couldn't, um, you know, I'm small, you know, this is before pre-puberty, there's no boobs. It's just, I was a little kid with a belly and, you know, just noticing how everyone else looks different than me and they all seem to be friends and fit in. And so I started being, feeling really shameful around eating. Um, you know, I remember being embarrassed really easily if, Um, you know, if I was eating and somebody commented on something or, um, even if it was just a totally random comment, I would automatically translate that into like, oh my God, you're fat. And, um, that, you know, someone was making fun of me. So really quickly I started getting really defensive about it. And um, then as I did hit puberty, I was one of those girls who got boobs super early. I was really young when I started my period and immediately realized that I could start getting attention from boys. And, you know, we, we think about girls and women when we talk about them being attention seekers. We always say that in a nasty way. We are like, oh, she just wants attention and she's only dressing like that because she wants attention. But I would really like to point out that when you're young and you're feeling so lonely, you know, you're looking for connection, any type of connection. And when you're small and you don't understand, there, you just don't comprehend the type of attention that you're getting and the consequences that could come from that. It's not a negative personality trait to be attention-seeking. It just means that you're lacking connection with other people. So, I'm growing boobs, I, my body's starting to change, and I'm realizing I can get boyfriends... And, you know, I had a couple totally non-sexual relationships with boys, you know, they were my boyfriend and we wrote each other notes and talk on the phone sometimes and it wasn't a big deal. But, um, really early in my seventh grade here is when I got my first boyfriend boyfriend and, you know, it start out, started out normal enough, but, you know, I found myself with no close friends. I had no close girlfriends, um, to talk to. My siblings were all younger than me. Um, you know, it wasn't something that I felt like I could talk to my parents about. I was deeply lacking this connection with other people. I felt like I was the weird kid. You know, everyone told me like, you're weird because you're creative. And, you know, now I would absolutely take that as a con as a compliment, but You know, as a 12, 13-year-old girl, that's not a compliment. You're kind of like, fuck you, I just (laughs) want to have friends. Somebody smile at me. Somebody tell me that they appreciate my presence. So I met this boy. He had tons of issues. And this totally sets the tone for the rest of the relationships that I had in my life. And it really quickly developed into a sexual relationship. And looking back on this, I see that I was way too young to comprehend what was happening. And with his age that he was at the time, I'm realizing now that it was even actually statutory rape. Um, I absolutely didn't realize that at the time. It was that we were in love and our parents didn't want to sing each other and, you know trying to show our affection for each other. And um, as soon as the relationship turned sexual, it started becoming emotionally abusive. Even though I already didn't have very many friends, I felt extremely isolated. I had been in sports and in groups in school, which I quickly dropped out of um, and didn't do anything without him. And I would even found out later that Without me knowing, he would be outside of my house sometimes. He would be in my window well sometimes.
1: So he basically pretty much became kind of like his property, is what in his mind yes, was? Yes,
0: absolutely. So. Yeah. And um, I felt like it was kind of like this sense that I um, I started this. He cared about me. He was the only person giving me attention, so this went on for years. You know, finally, um, I'd had... It was actually one of my teachers had talked to me in a really compassionate way, kind of telling me what things looked like from her point of view. And, you know, it really touched me because in my head, I... Because he's telling me, you know, no one else cares... You know, these teachers don't give a shit about you. All these popular kids think you're disgusting. And, of course, he's playing on the body image issues. Like, you know, he's telling me no one else is going to like you. You know, no one else is going to love you. And if you want this, this level of devotion that I'm giving you, you know, you need to do what I say. Mm-hmm. And, you guys, I was...
1: Pretty much brainwashed.
0: <laughs> I was... 12 when this started.
1: Can you? How old was he?
0: He was 15. And, um, yeah, obviously looking back on that, I'm like, oh yeah. God. But, you know, this is what happens when you feel super insecure and you don't have that confidence that you can reach out and connect to other people. And as an adolescent, it's really fucking hard. You don't comprehend it yet. You don't know what con- like. You don't know what connection is. You just feel like things are just the way they are, and this is just how it's going to be. So, you know, eventually, after that teacher reaching out to me, um, we were able to cut off contact. She'd actually had to start um, driving me home, and um, walking me in between classes and stuff because he would be waiting outside of the school. And um his his parents ended up sending him away.
1: So was this his first like serious I think relationship I think it too? Was. So it was something that he had control over completely and then you were now his property and then and it didn't matter what other people saw. It was just this was you know, you guys you said it turned sexual. Yes.
0: So this was his <clears> first
1: <throat> time too. So, I think it was. So yeah. now he automatically probably thinks like you know I took a virginity now I own her right kind of yeah
0: and isn't that especially I feel like as a really young male like this thing that
1: well and I think coming from a male's point of view you're taught you know when you're growing up that you know uh, sexual being sexual and stuff like that and what's that saying they say you know uh, it's it's a, a a master key if your your key opens up a lot of locks but then if the lock if a lot of keys open up a lock it's a shitty lock or something like that (laughs) you know and it's just you know guys are always made to
0: right in your
1: mind uh the more sexual partners you have the cooler you are you know um i remember growing up and uh we we had an older kid in school and he was pretty popular and stuff like that had sex with like two or three girls and as a guy, I was like, Jesus Christ, that guy's cool as hell. i was like he's just he's just awesome. Girls like him and all that and mm-hmm. you know. But then when you look at the girl side of it, all the girls, thought those other girls were just sluts. Right? And then they would get bashed on all that stuff like that. Well, this guy got to walk around like he was cool and everything like mm-hmm. that and he was praised. So it's definitely two different sides of a coin.
0: Right. That is a tale that's as old as time for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And so I definitely, that was a really good point because I really think that from his perspective, he conquered me, Yeah. but that also I was ruined so that I was no good to anyone else now because he already had it. Yeah. So, you know, finally this boy's gone. I'm still a really young teenager and immediately I'm in another relationship with a very much older male and it's it's the exact same thing happens and it keeps happening to me then I meet another boy and it's the exact same thing and another boy and it's the exact same thing my entire high school career was not spent making friendships it was spent chasing these boys and then being emotionally manipulated into feeling like I was this huge piece of shit like, I was spent and I was wasted because I had sex with did them.
1: the other girls notice this and kind of turn on you a little bit?
0: Oh, yeah. There were absolutely girls that were shitty about it, but I wasn't really bullied about it. A lot of my torment was internal, because I, and, but I didn't talk to anybody about it. I did not say a single fucking word because I was terrified of what other people would think mm-hmm. because I had seen... What had happened to other girls when everyone found out they'd had sex? Oh yeah, yeah
1: I mean you—they automatically have a stamp on it. You see them down the hallway, and you're like, "Hey, she had sex. You know, she's she's probably easier, you know, or you right. know, not, you know, gives it up easy." And it's just, you know, you you had those certain girls in school where you were like, "Yeah, I know she had sex, and you could probably get it if you wanted." I mean, this was you know, mm-hmm. school. I mean it's 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 fucking terrible kids are fucking assholes
0: right (laughs) so this left this huge imprint on my identity that i thought that i had was sex was something i could give to someone to make them happy because in a way i felt like that was all i had to give Because I was not interesting. I was not special as a person. And then I would always find or be told there was all of this evidence. Well, you don't have any friends, anyways. No one else wants you. And I kept myself so isolated, I actually believed all of these things. So throughout my young adult life, it was this same relationship different guy over and over and over again and then I had my daughter and that was really the first period of time that I'd spent single and um did still did not really get a sense of myself as a person without someone else without being in that type of dynamic and You know, I also want to mention, I skipped over a big part, I guess, is one of, before Matt, one of the last previous relationships I had been in had become very physically abusive also. Um, it was dangerous. And, you know, I would find myself kicking myself thinking I'm so stupid for staying. And, um, you know, looking back, you know, my thought process and everything, I, uh, why would I have not thought that way? It was familiar, and I could navigate it, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. You know, that was just my normal. So, fast forward to me and Matt, and the, how this has truly affected our marriage was, first of all, you know, I meet Matt. We all know he's got his own baggage and issues and ghosts but we get together, and I find our conversations are so completely different than what I was used to. You know, there was a lot of asking questions about me and what I liked and, you know, lots of... A lot of of... sharing
1: of different things. Like, I was interested in also what you liked, and then I was able to share stuff with you. and Right. <clears throat> it wasn't just about what I could get from you. Like, you know, like, hey, want to go have some sex? or whatever, <laughs> you know, it was actually, I I, I, I first met Allison, and it, she was a lot different from uh, any of the girls I met and stuff like that, and uh, I was just like, you know, I was like, I'm just going to, you know, take my time on this one, and I, I, I really do want to I'd get to know her, I mean, I've seen some of her artwork and stuff like that, I was really interested in it, you know, uh, we like the same type of music and things, so I started sharing music with her and stuff like that, and I don't know if, at first, if she was really open to it because
0: I wasn't because yeah. I told you 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 were suspicious yeah
1: I'll never forget that like I don't know Matt it sounds suspicious on everything I'd I'd ask her if she's heard of or yeah you know. song
0: it, it, I specifically remember one song he's like listen to this and I was like I don't know Matt it
1: was a lot of dispute song too yeah and now it turns out to be one of our favorite bands so
0: right something we really bonded over yeah so You know, the whole thing is just completely different. And we'd actually talked for a long time before we met in person. We'd dated for about a year. You know, we lived about an hour apart, so we didn't get to be together all the time. And so about two years into knowing each other, we move in together. And, you know, everything's going pretty good. And finally, we had lived with a roommate. We got our own place. And that was really when things started getting uncomfortable for us yeah. or for me. <clears throat> you know, I you're finding yourself in this part of a relationship where you're comfortable and I kept I kept waiting for the the other shoe to drop. Yeah. I kept waiting for something serious to happen and I kept finding myself when we did argue and we were not in these huge screaming matches arguing it was not like what i was used to but when i knew he was mad i would still catch myself flinching away i would shrink back i would cry leave the room you know and then realizing it was a like a physically protective thing yeah it
1: was like almost like i she was waiting for me to come at her which you know like was like i said has never been in my my thing i've i've never you know gone after a woman or hit a girl or anything like that but yeah she'd always be flinching and like kind of need to leave and stuff like that when i just wanted to talk about the problem and then it was just kind of like she would kind of shut down and it was almost like she was waiting for something to happen and uh, you know and, and never did right <laughs>
0: No, it never did, but it definitely made any conversation or conflict we were having way less productive because then we've already talked about Matt's assumptions on arguing and stuff like that. You know, he's thinking, well, this is it. It's over. And then there's me over on the other side thinking like, oh, God, it's about to get dangerous and have a million things running through my head. Like, if this happens, what am I going to do? And... You know, it's leaving this impression on him, and he finally did pick up on it. I remember one time we were arguing, and he's like, quit acting like you think I'm going to hit you. And I was done. I guess I didn't realize I was doing that. but yeah, and, it, But it hurt my feelings it, that you said that, too. And I cried, and I don't think we even ever finished that conversation. That comes, yeah. But... You know, with any conflict resolution, it just wasn't happening. And then also, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that, um, you know, things are normal. Something bad is about to happen. I am just waiting for it. And which is really similar to what Matt had said, you know, just waiting. It's going to happen sometime, you know.
1: Yeah, everything's going fine right now. And then you realize like, okay, the next big fight is coming around the corner and your body's gearing up for it. Uh, you're already trying to, in your mind, already trying to think of your defense uh, right. talk, of what you're going to say to be defensive. Like you know, try to win the battle. Yeah. I guess you know, and even or keep though,
0: yourself safe. yeah, and
1: even though there's nothing wrong at the time, you're ramping your fucking self up. Like yeah. hey, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go whenever this fucking bomb drops, let's do this because I already got what I'm going to say in my head.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we had our battle gear on, you know, and literal stress hormones are flowing. We've got the adrenaline and the cortisol, and our bodies are telling us to protect ourselves. So, this leads a little bit into our, well, okay, hold on. I'm going to slow down for a second. We'd ended up getting to this place where Matt and I had actually split up for a little bit and what had happened was i was misinterpreting matt's physical affection even if it wasn't meant to be sexual i translated it as sexual
1: like just a a passing by and me like just touching her back or a, a hug from behind or something like that you know to me it was just I, I am a touchy person. I like to touch, and I'm a I'm a contact person. Was that that love language they say? Yeah. A physical t- touch. Physical touch. I do like touching, like holding hands and stuff like that, but whenever I think what she took it as was me trying to...
0: I took it as aggressive. Yeah. Because remember, from my past relationships, what I thought that I had learned about relationships was sex was something I needed to give to you, I needed to give it to you to keep you happy. I needed to give it to you to prove that I loved you or that I was loyal or that I cared. That it was something that I had to give away. And you know, you get resentful about it. And I was absolutely getting resentful about it. And I remember the night before I had asked Matt to leave, He'd rolled over in bed and grabbed my boob.
1: Was this when I was asleep?
0: Yeah. And, you know, later talking to him about it, I had no idea. He didn't realize that he had done it. No, I'm a... But it set me the fuck off. And I got out of bed and I slept on the couch and I told him the next day this isn't working. I don't want to do it anymore. You know, and there were a lot of other reasons other than just that. But it was that was definitely coloring my vision at the time. And and Matt wants to defend himself a little bit and say hey. yeah
1: I'm just saying that when I'm asleep I got I've obviously I I grope and grab I'm a i am I guess a sleep humper <laughs> I don't know that I'm doing it and I got a body pillow and I'm taking it out on that now so
0: right <laughs> the poor body pillow <laughs> takes all the sleep Yeah, if,
1: if pillows could talk. <laughs> we'd probably be married
0: but you know i didn't even tell him that i thought he knew <laughs> no
1: i had no idea I and it was years sleep. years later yeah. when i mentioned it almost makes me wonder like the past relationships what happened like if, right like if they ever like this son of a bitch Creep. Oh, was yeah creeping like always oh, at the two o'clock in the morning thinking i'm asleep getting a handful of boob
0: right you know and
1: i didn't know what was going on i, I really didn't like she told me that i was like no kidding I was like I had no idea I was doing this in my sleep So I don't know what that stems from but.
0: Well I mean there is actually a sleep disorder It's a known disorder where you grope or you masturbate while you're sleeping And you can't help it I mean and I wouldn't say that you're at the point where I think you have a (laughs) disorder (laughs) But you know he had no idea this was going on I was taking it as an act of aggression And you know him and I have this completely different outlook on what is happening but you know like I said there were a lot of other reasons Matt's thinking well there was a time limit on this anyways and Matt moves out and he was gone for about six months and that was it was a really hard time for us we didn't have contact for most of it we did end up talking you know reaching back out to each other later and after this it kind of you know after reaching back out and we decided that we wanted to work on things we had some big breakthroughs and we get back together and immediately we're planning a wedding it was beautiful it was everything I could have dreamed of and then immediately after that we're pregnant yeah
1: like I mean and we planned this one too though like we <laughs> we this was not an accident I mean you know she was on birth control for quite a while and you know we got married and stuff like that and then we at first we discussed never having kids at all
0: right that then, was our thing when we got together no more kids yep. we're like yeah yeah
1: that's fucking great and then i don't know just one day we were like hey do you want to have a baby and uh we ended up doing that uh didn't try hard <laughs> And I'm still upset about that. I was hoping it would be a lot more fun than that.
0: Yeah, it was immediately. I was like, oh, God, we're pregnant.
1: Yeah, it was on April Fool's, too. So uh, That when, was
0: when I posted on Facebook. Yeah. But it was right before that that I found out. So, now, this is something that I think a lot of, of women can relate to is pregnancy. Your body image, self-esteem, your sex life the way you're translating your partner's interactions with you. Mm. So I'm coming from a place of really like low self-esteem. I have a terrible body image. I'm hating on my body anyways, and I'm pregnant and you know how that goes. I was sick for a lot of the pregnancy. My anxiety was almost unbearable. And so, you know, besides physically, I didn't feel like I looked good. I was also mentally just tearing myself apart. You know, anything terrible that you would never, ever, ever say to even someone that you hate, I was saying that stuff to myself. Like, looking in the mirror and thinking, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, get yourself together. You are so gross. And I had, like, kind of convinced myself, like, because Matt is telling me that I'm beautiful and that this is such a good experience for him. And, you know, he was so kind and supportive. And, you know, my sister was living with us at the time, and she was amazing and... You know, I had all of these wonderful people around me, but I had convinced myself that you guys were lying to me because there was no way that what you said mm-hmm. could be true because of what I was thinking about myself. See,
1: and that's when I thought I was like, I was like, I was like, I think she's she's kind of losing it because to me, I saw it as this you know this woman that I love and you know uh, married to is just. Is having my baby and I mean she was I just thought her body looked beautiful it was awesome I wanted to touch it all the time you know (laughs) I was just in love with the idea that she chose you know to have my baby and I was just I was just over I was head over heels in love I just I wanted to do everything for her and you know and she didn't believe any of that And it, I was like, and for me, it was kind of disbelief. I was like, no, I'm really serious. Like, I fucking loved it. I even go back sometimes, look at the pictures. I'm like, god damn, (laughs) she's beautiful. You know, I just fucking loved it. It was awesome.
0: Well, at this point, I can look back on the pictures now and be like, I'm glad that I have those. But at the time, that was literally being pregnant with my last child was one of the worst times mentally that i've gone through in my life
1: yeah it was really really rough uh a lot of it was to me confusing because she was coming yeah and hurtful coming out sometimes and saying something and i just didn't know where it was coming from because i didn't see it the way she saw it
0: right well i was assuming that you were thinking these because also you know being sick and not feeling as productive as normal like I'm assuming he's mad because I didn't clean something up or I didn't make it to the grocery store and in the summer you know Matt is really busy and so I felt so fucking guilty for asking him to go get something or asking him to help do something extra on the weekends because normally I did all of those things I did all of those things with no problem And, you know, I'm thinking, like, God, that, you know, I am just sitting around all day and not getting shit done. He's probably mad. Um, You know, and then I'm thinking I start getting kind of resentful because he is trying so hard, you guys, to make me feel good. Especially because I was complaining about the way I looked all the time. And I, I was thinking he was lying to me about it. And then I start thinking, well, why would he lie about it? Is he seeing someone else? Is it because he's mad? Is he getting ready to leave? He's probably regretting having a baby with me. Like, what am I going to do when this baby is born and he leaves me? And I seriously had this whole plan in my head of like, what am I going to have to do when this happens? This was like a reality in my head and I'm getting so hateful, and so resentful, and I'm disconnecting, and, you know, even it it affected my work. I knew I wasn't able to pay attention. I wasn't interacting well with my friends, and it, it was ruining my life, and, you know, I was working really closely with my doctor about the anxiety and stuff like that. I just didn't have a ton of medication options, being pregnant, but I'm, I was monitored closely and was really open with my doctor about it because, um, I knew because of my last pregnancy that I was going to have problems and it was, it was right after I had Hunter that I was diagnosed with bipolar two and got medicated and, um, it got better. But it kind of brought Matt and I back around to this place where I was able to calm down and kind of see things more clearly, but I still had all of these beliefs and thoughts. He thinks I'm gross. He thinks I'm not doing enough around the house. And I had this idea around my baby because Hunter was colicky. Oh, yeah. He cried all the time. He was awake all of the time
1: days would just melt into each other, and we'd be up for, oh, I don't know, how, many, how much would you say we slept in a day, probably like two hours?
0: Maybe. <laughs> Maybe even that. I know we would, each each of us, we're taking turns getting up, and we would be up three or four times a night mm-hmm. each. So, I mean, like, pretty much nothing. And, you know, a, a lack of sleep and routine and stuff, it weighs heavy on you anyways, but... um it was just, it was making everything worse and crazy.
1: Yeah, it so, was getting a little little touchy whenever we'd ask each other questions or something like that. You know, sleep dep- deprivation kind of pisses some people off. I mean, I don't think we ever got really mad at each other, but there were some times that I knew that I needed to back off because I was helicoptering a little bit.
0: He did a lot. <laughs> Yeah, didn't we talk about this in the last episode? Or oh, were or we I, talking about this somewhere else? I think we
1: were talking over over at Carly's yeah.
0: house. And he was like, I don't know if you're supposed to put that much lotion on a baby, Allison. My mom never put lotion on babies. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Matt, fuck off. I'm putting lotion on the baby.
1: You know, we'd lay the baby down in bed, and then I'd see uh, <laughs> picture frames above where the baby was at. I'd have to take the picture frames off the wall. Yeah. Just for fear that they'd fall off and hit the kid, you know. Well,
0: because of that lack of sleep, Matt had almost as much um, postpartum anxiety as I did. So, we get little man figured out. Mom gets medicated. And so, we are back in this place where everything is normal we're coasting we're good nothing traumatic is going on and we're both still so discontent and you know after being able to get on some medication that actually helped me was really the only space where I'd actually been able to do some work on myself some self-help I was in therapy <clears throat> but I I just felt like I needed more. And, you know, in this meantime, I'm still hating on my body. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying all of these extreme diets. I am very vocal about it. You know, I, I remember complaining to Matt a lot, like, I did this and this and this and I'm fucking starving and... I haven't lost any weight in two weeks. and
1: Yeah, there for a while we were eating nothing but, was it quinoa and, <laughs> <laughs> quinoa and something else?
0: Yeah, I didn't eat meat for a no, while. No, she
1: was going to go vegan.
0: Well, I'd started having those stomach problems too. And, you know, later I had my gallbladder out and it's a little bit better. But that's a thing for another time. But I think I fucked my stomach up dieting. I, part of me thinks that. Well,
1: because we never really, we didn't even ease into it either. We just fucking went right in. Like, you know what? Fuck it. We're not eating meat anymore. Let's do some quinoa. So next thing you know, we're just chewing on some vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) And it was good. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like that one. Yeah, we found some really good
0: recipes. But anyways, so we're starting to run a tiny bit long. And there's a few points that I really want to make before we're done and let you guys go. So one of them was these really deep-seated body image issues that I had and how they were affecting our sex life. So, you know, everyone listening, as a woman, you know if you feel gross, you're not going to want to have sex. We really started dwindling, and then I still had this kind of resentment around thinking that I... I owed him sex. And, you know, we had mentioned this in the last episode mm-hmm. about being able to tell each other things without being afraid of hurting each other's feelings. Yeah. And so here was a really big thing for me is there were some things that logically I knew Matt was doing because he was being nice and he was showing me affection, but it fucking triggered me. Yep. There were a few things he did every day and When he would do that, I would get so fucking angry. I couldn't even stand to be touched the rest of the evening. It shut everything down. I would go spiraling down into this... Well, I was also diagnosed with PTSD when I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 because of the past sexual and physical abuse. And, you know, I would go spiraling back into these, like, memories and flashbacks of things that had happened... And, but I was afraid to tell him because I knew it was not coming from a malicious place and he did it all the time. Yeah. And I knew that he would be thinking, oh my God, I do this all the time. And, you know, either be mad, like, why didn't you tell me or his feelings would be hurt. And so the first really big step that I had to take was to just blurt it all out
1: yeah it was like one of the things that I did was when she was doing something in the kitchen I would come up behind her and give her a hug or something like that and it would kind of stop her from what she was doing and that really pissed her off and I had no idea and I I did that all the time and I didn't know I had no idea she felt that way about that so it was just a kind of a shock to me I was like oh whoa shit I didn't know that that affected you like that and you know it just it it did hurt, but I was glad that she told me, you know. I was like, well, I'm, you know, I wasn't doing it, you know.
0: Right. To, and to, I, to, I, hurt I knew enough. that. I knew that logically, but my body, it was like my emotions were programmed to feel defensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unless you're aware of that and then know how to work through your trauma, you can't shut those feelings off.
1: Yeah, and, and here I was. You know, I didn't I didn't notice that it affected her that bad. I don't know if it was because I was standing behind her. <laughs>
0: well, could... it's because, you know, how they talk about people having a fight, flight, or freeze response to danger. Mine is absolutely almost to default. It's to freeze.
1: just to freeze up. Yeah. So, while I'm sitting there hugging you and thinking everything's fine, you're over there just freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And just like, God, this...
0: And I was really afraid to tell him that. And, you know, some of my fears, you know, a little bit of it came into fruition because after I told him, he didn't even really look at me or touch me for days. And then I was just shattered yeah. because I was like, I fucked everything up. I shouldn't have told him. I should have just figured out how to deal with it.
1: Yeah. In my mind, it, that, <coughs> what that kind of signaled to me was like, just don't touch me at all. It wasn't, you know, just this moment. It was just like, you know what? I was like, I'm just going to play it safe and not even (laughs) touch her. (laughs) Not unless, you know, she...
0: Asked for it. Asked
1: for it or initiates it. I'm just going to stay way the fuck over here and watch TV.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, it did cause some discourse and it caused some hard feelings and some really uncomfortable situations. But we were able to keep talking about it. You know, I could ask, how are you feeling? What are you thinking right now? Let me tell you what I'm thinking. And in those moments, I found that it was easier for me to not talk face-to-face, because I was really ashamed of how I felt and how these things were manifesting in our relationship. I really hated that I made you feel bad. And, you know, this idea that my sexuality was really my own and that I deserved to ask for what I want and to set boundaries and things like that, it was this totally new idea that I had literally never considered before. And I absolutely would have thought of myself as a progressive feminist thinker before, but because of my past experiences, my past identity, this box that I had put myself in, I didn't even consider that it was an option to think differently. So that sexual experience has has had a huge impact on our marriage. And this is even something that we're just working on day to day now, you know, learning to say like this is what I want. This is what I'm comfortable with. Um, can we cuddle, but it's not sexual? Sometimes I just need to ask for that.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, I, sometimes I'm I'm glad that you do because then I understand what you need.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Instead of assuming. And shit. I think
0: I like I see it joking around with women a lot where they're like, "Well, if he doesn't know what I want, then you know he's not the one or he's not paying attention." But you know, in reality, he cannot read my mind yeah and all of this stuff all of this turmoil was going on and he literally had no clue because i didn't let any of it on and you know you do start to become resentful well why don't they notice that i like that or why don't they notice that i don't like that but we have no idea their perception of things you know matt is he shows affection with physical touch so when he's touching me, he believes that he is showing me that he loves me. And that was his intention. It was not his intention to be, um, you know, intrusive on my space, which is how I translated it. And so you see this wild difference in our perspectives and how that can absolutely ruin a relationship. Mm-hmm. Or just throw everything up into flames because these are both such intense feelings. Because at the same time, you know, when I had that conversation with him, here is a list of things that bother me that I need some space from. He could have also been thinking, well, that wasn't my intention, and that I was. A bad person for misinterpreting it, because yeah. that happens a lot. Yeah, you know, well, that wasn't my intention. So, what's wrong with you for misinterpreting it? I hear women and men say that a lot about their partners or someone that they're seeing. Well, why didn't they notice? Yeah, it's like I, you can never assume that someone can read your mind. Nope, they the have no fucking clue.
1: Best thing is, is just to kind of speak up, and you know if the relationship is strong and it's going to work through, I mean, you could have these talks and be civil about it. You know, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, rip somebody's head apart doing just like, Hey, this is just something that kind of bothers me. Right. And yeah. Just you, you, you just got to communicate.
0: And you also have to be willing to give, you know, the other person space because, you know, something for me is telling you about all of these things that bothered me it made me feel really vulnerable. Like, I am in this such a soft place, and I'm going to easily get my feelings hurt depending on your reaction because I don't want you to be angry with me. But I also had, you know, he needed space. He needed space to process this to think about it to reflect on it and I had to give him that
1: yeah I think after learning about that I mean yeah like you said there for a while I, I wouldn't look at your <laughs> touches to you know Well, I, it
0: was not my first instinct to give you that space I was offended and my feelings were hurt too by your reaction but you know I realized this is a big deal you know, I'd even I'd read in a book. I was reading a book about. Um, it's called "Come as You Are," pun intended. <laughs> uh, Emily Legowski, um, and she talks about women and their sexual empowerment and how to identify, you know, your breaks and your triggers when it comes to sexuality. And there was a part in there where she was talking about a specific couple um, where the woman had been through some really serious sexual abuse in a previous relationship. And she goes on to mention, from the boyfriend's point of view, she says, no one tells a man how to be with a woman who has been through that shit. There's, there's really not a ton of support groups for stuff like that. There's no common knowledge on things like that. If you are with a woman who has been through traumatic sexual experiences you don't know what to expect you don't know what to do and you're gonna get your feelings hurt
1: exactly i mean just even just the small things i thought that was me showing kindness and love was setting her off and i i was just beside myself i was like i don't know what to do
0: But this was a a huge miscommunication that really rocked us for a little while. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were kind of electric with this discontent and, like, feeling really uncomfortable around each other. And, you know, because of both of our past experiences, we're both thinking, like, what the fuck is going to happen now? Yeah. But we got to this place where I kind of figured, like, fuck it. I already told him everything that I was ashamed to say. I'd kind of given him a list of everything that had happened to me. I described it how many times, each guy, all of this stuff, and just told him, here are all of the things that are impacting the way I feel about myself right now. And I had never told anybody that. So he did get to see my perspective. And so I am thinking, I've already fucking told him everything. We've been through all of this shit already. Like, I'm just going to keep doing it. We'll keep talking, even if it's in little tiny bits. And this is what I teach women in the life coaching is we cannot underestimate these little bitty baby steps that we take. Even if it's just one day saying, let's hold. I feel like holding hands. You want to talk about why I want to hold hands? We absolutely can. You want to just sit here and be quiet. And it's taken a lot for me to just ask really specifically for what I want. I feel like there's a little bit of social conditioning thinking that you shouldn't do that. Or that it's it's bossy to do that. Or it's slutty to do that. Or it's selfish to do that. But I can tell him now, like, can you just hug me for a little bit and can we be quiet? Because I feel like that's what I need. I need some physical contact, and I need silence. And he can give me that, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah,
1: and as a guy, I do truly appreciate that. Instead <laughs> of trying to figure out what the hell you need. I'm like, you know what? If you just want a hug, and that's what you need, I would love to do that. And it just, it just, it's awesome. I love it when she communicates with me on what she needs it just makes me feel good. I know what to expect. I like this is this is where this is going. This is awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, for me, coming from this place of like extreme unworthiness, like feeling like I am a, a huge piece of shit just only here to make somebody else happy. It's been a huge journey. It's a- affected our marriage deeply. It's made me think that he's thinking terrible things about me, too. And the only thing that has fixed this is for me to just say so. And, you know, when we talk about, like, you're going to have to be honest, even if it's going to hurt somebody's feelings, that doesn't mean come at him with, like, you just touched me when I was... Cutting up vegetables in the kitchen and it fucking pissed me off and getting mad. It's just kind of like, hey, you can find a gentle and compassionate way to explain yourself. It's like that made me uncomfortable. Here is why. And then allowing it to be just as that. I don't need a reaction out of him. I don't need him to explain himself. I don't need an excuse. And just allowing that little bit of silence in between us as we process what's going on has been really important for us so far with everything. So cultivating this sense of worthiness and thinking that I can ask for what I want or I can explain myself without feeling guilty has all come from just speaking up. And I think we could do probably a whole nother episode sometime about the body image issues. Mm -hmm. Because I think, I really think that that needs to be addressed and it's really important. But it's going to be a whole nother hour long talk. Yep. So, I know with some of my friends and some of my clients that I've talked to that this, I... This miscommunication about sex in our relationships um, is really prevalent. Whether you've experienced sexual abuse or not. And so what I would want to urge you to do if you're feeling compelled to do something about it right now. Would be to just open up about it. Find a compassionate place where you can speak about it. Without any anger or resentment, just find this place. This is what I feel and this is what I need from you. And then being prepared to give your partner space to process it. That is the absolute most important thing that you can do. So, <coughs> our next episode is going to be a surprise we're going to come up with something probably more fun. These last two episodes have been kind of heavy. Yeah. So
1: So we got to throw some fun stuff in there yeah. every once in a while. Got to lighten up the mood.
0: Maybe we'll talk about aliens yeah. or something. We we've kind of we kind of been wanting to do that.
1: Yeah. We've we've got some uh, urban legends or uh, things that have happened ghost stories. Ghost stories
0: we should We unsolved need to have
1: mysteries
0: Halloween in July that sounds awesome that'd
1: be pretty cool we, 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 should, we should do something really so fun we'll
0: have a Halloween once a month yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys would like to connect with us you can find us at rewrite self love on Facebook you can message us there or find any important information And we really appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody.
0: Goodbye.